LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Welcome back to another episode of the Group Answers Podcast. I'm Brian Daniel with, as always, Chris Surratt. Happy New Year. Thank you so much, Chris. It is good to be back. I don't know about you, but it's kind of, I get, I love the time off and family, but I grow tired. I grow tired of just nothingness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you were just sitting around the house and, I mean, I love my family too. But after, actually, they get tired of me is yeah. really what happens. After about three or four days, they start saying, Dad, when are you going back to work? Yeah, yeah. It's certainly not about the family or the company. It's just, and I'm not a big routine guy, but to have just a just kind of no objective to the days a lot of times. Right. And just all the food around and it's cold outside. So it's good to be out, even in the cold, and uh, to be back at it. So Yeah, we, we like to... You're a movie guy. We like to go see mm-hmm. a lot of movies over the break. Is that something that you guys do? Man, it's another. It's a. It's a. It's a. It's a topic for another show. But I've been down on movies for about a year. I bet we've only seen like two in the theater in the last twelve months, maybe wow. three. But it hasn't been any at all. And I, I can't explain it. There's a couple of years ago where all the movies, like the Oscar noms, were just yeah. kind of downers. Yeah. And I just we just haven't gotten back out to the theater. Yeah, I, we've gone through seasons like that, but I love like December, January. It's when everybody is putting out movies they hope will will win Oscars. So there's a lot of that, and then just fun movies like Star Wars, and yeah, it's just a good time for movies. So we are kicking off the new year in a in a in a new way, I guess you could say, with the first of a two part episode addressing mental wellness and mental health yep. uh, at the broad level, but also as it applies to group. This is a, a topic, Chris, that has become more ubiquitous in the, and just in the, in our, in our cultural awareness over the last several years, I'll just call that the near history. And so we thought it would be helpful to group leaders just to engage as best we can this topic. And the, and the objective here, Chris, I think is just I, I think I would say an awareness that this is something that group leaders need to be at least conversing in in some level and to know kind of what an appropriate reaction and how to navigate certain circumstances that may come up. Yeah, I mean, for a long time, there's been a stigma that's attached to anything that's mental health, uh, you know, weakness. Uh, we don't talk about that. You kind of pull your bootstraps up and you get yourself out of it. And also, I think that there is a lot of fear on how to deal with somebody who has mental health issues, because what do we say? How do we not make it worse? Um, you know, all of that. So I think this is a good time to address this topic coming out of the holidays, because holidays, even though they seem joyful, for a lot of people, they're not. And then there's always a big letdown, uh, you know, when you come through Christmas and New Year, and then you hit January, and it's cold, and it's gray. And so a lot of people are, are, are feeling a lot of hurt right now. So I think this is a good time to address this. And also a good time, perfect segue to introduce today's guest, Evan Owens. Evan, welcome to the Group Answers Show. Excited to be here. 
So, Chris, Evan currently serves as the executive director of Reboot Recovery. He is certified in military ministry and has personally facilitated trauma recovery groups for over 350 combat veterans and military spouses. All that's to say is Evan is no stranger to trauma. Reboot is a nonprofit that helps veterans, first responders, and their loved ones to heal from the moral and spiritual wounds associated with service-related trauma. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have Evan. I met Evan uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, our church brought Evan in to talk to group leaders about this topic. And so he has something that's called Overcome Academy that I'm sure that he'll address. But just equipping group leaders on how to help people in their group and even themselves when it comes to me- mental health issues and, and hurts and, and all of that. So, Evan, I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, we're. I'm excited to, to get into it today and share some some tips and ideas. So, Evan, what's your background and how did you get started with Reboot Recovery? Yeah, I'll, I'll keep it short. You know, a lot of times um, I, I think and I'm like, why didn't God call me to something that I was, you know, so much more, you know, on paper well suited to. But instead, my wife and I, she works for the Department of Defense. She's a, a doctor of occupational therapy. And she moved us up to right outside of Fort Campbell, Kentucky. Pretty soon I realized I was in an all military neighborhood. Um, and people began to st- share stories with us, stories of loss, stories of of challenges that were both mental and spiritual that we're facing. And we quickly realized that while uh, mental health and physical health were were being addressed for a lot of military families, um, no one was really talking about what does it look like to say, could, could my soul be wounded? If so, what would healing that soul look like? And so we started inviting people in our living room. Next thing you know, we're on a series of military bases conducting these 12-week, one-night-a-week trauma healing courses that are faith-based. Uh, God began to open doors. And, um, you know, we, we decided in 2015 to finally step out full time and both of us quit our jobs because we hate, uh, you know, income and job security and things like that. <laughs> and so we went all in and God's just done incredible things. We went from having, you know, one in the living room to about 270 uh, trauma course locations. Most of them, you know, about half of them are at churches, half of them are on military bases, et cetera. Um, and then we launched a first responder program. And now we're taking what we've learned in those communities and recognizing that, you know, a lot of the the problems that are faced by those people in those lines of the duty, those jobs, are not unique necessarily solely to people who are in those lines of, of duty. A lot of people struggle with the same sort of things even outside of those two realms. And that's really kind of where we're headed as 2020 and beyond moves, is taking some of what we've learned over the past uh, decade, really, and making it available to everybody else who's helping their people in their small groups or, or church that may not even be military or first responders. Um, so that's what we're doing. So how big of a problem is mental health and trauma in our country right now? We're hearing a lot about it. Right. Is it just becoming more of a topic that people are willing to talk about, or is it becoming a bigger issue? Good question. Yeah, it's actually interesting. Um, I think there's two things at play. One, I think our language has changed a lot. So, um, you know, words that we used to say like we were worried about something, now somebody say I'm feeling very anxious about something or I'm having anxiety about something. Or someone might say like I was sad, now they use the word depressed. Um, and so part of it is we're, we're much more comfortable with mental health language than we've been in the past. So this gives people freedom to speak about it a little bit more openly. But I think secondly, something that is happening is um, – for really the first time in human history, and we're, we're seeing where a majority of Americans are experiencing what has been classified as a clinical mental health problem. And uh, when you think about that, 
and you think about some of the data points. Uh, so, you know, one in four women is diagnosed with a mental health condition. One in five men takes a daily mood-altering medication. One in three college students takes a daily mood-altering medication to deal with the stresses of life. Um, uh, you know, 70% of Americans say they will experience trauma in their life. Uh, uh, 48,000 people in our country will end their life by suicide this year, making it you know, in the top 10 reasons that people are dying. That's a, that's a relatively new thing. Um, for ages 18 to 35, it's actually the number two leading cause of death this year, which is shocking if you think number one is car accidents or accidental deaths. Um, and so it is a very big issue and something that I think a lot of churches are starting to see come to their small groups, to their prayer teams, to their, uh, even to their sermon topics. And uh, it's, it's needed to be addressed. Let me ask you this, Evan. Um, what about uh, when we when we think in terms of trauma? I think, Chris, we all understand, like in case of first responders and servicemen, what trauma means, right? And, and and have a decent idea of what that looks like, even if it's not firsthand experience. But what about trauma at the more what I would call local level, emotional trauma? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because I would say there's there's even so so one view of trauma is bad things that happen to us we experience this could be someone who loses a a baby through a miscarriage or has a stillborn it could be somebody who was driving and is in a car accident and a passenger dies or they end up accidentally killing another passenger it could be some violent assault or violent experience something that betrayed our trust in mankind those are all traumatic experiences it also could be something as as subtle in a person's life as i put my hopes and dreams and aspirations into, into a business that i was building we put our whole family savings into it the business failed and now we're in a in a free fall right that's a traumatic experience as well those are bad things that happen but i think a lot of times what's less talked about is what i refer to as the trauma of neglect which i think a lot of listeners are going to identify in people they minister to which is, yes, there's bad things that happen, but sometimes it's just as traumatic when the right things, when good things don't happen. And so, for example, if I'm never taught what unconditional love feels like, if I'm never taught how to forgive someone, right, this is a, a neglect that happens in my life. If I'm passed around to various family members growing up and I don't feel like I'm ever in a safe environment, that's going to influence my emotional, my mental, my psychological, my spiritual ability to cope with various stresses throughout life. And that's trauma in and of itself as well, and it affects my mental health and my spiritual health. Okay, given that, what percentage of people in our groups, Chris, let's just say, would you say have experienced trauma at some level? Depending on their age, I mean, I would say 70% of them will experience trauma. So 7 out of 10 people that you will see today have experienced trauma at some level. Right. Okay, so that establishes a context here. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it's important that we talk about it. But my question for you, Evan, is what is the church, Big C Church, doing about it? Yeah, I think for a lot of years, um, there's been two attitudes. One is um, that's not real. We don't need to address that. That's that's just spiritual lack. Mm-hmm. You know, it's spiritual verver that lacks. That's one approach. I think another approach, though, has actually been um, what I call sort of the the uh, the risk avoidance technique, right? Yes, we know this is real, but we're not clinicians. Mental health is solely a mental health issue. Let's outsource them to a psychological expert, a counselor. Let's get this off of our plates because it feels messy, it feels time-consuming, and it feels too high risk. Our liability might go up if we deal with this person who's dealing with this mental health issue or this traumatic experience. And in that also, sometimes that's that's caused people who, you know, who, who, you know, I always feel like the city on the hill gets most visible in the darkest times in a person's life a lot of times. And um, 
they run to the church for help. It's a little bit like using a lighthouse that actually ends up pointing you somewhere else. I go to the church for help, and they're like, ooh, we can't help you, but go talk to the secular counselor who can. Mm. And so I think for the first time ever, churches are really starting to recognize that they have a superpower. They have a voice that they can speak to that is actually uniquely complementary to what people will experience in a mental health, uh, purely secular context. And it's those two things working side by side, mental health counseling and spiritual counseling who's mentally health-informed, being able to make lasting long-term change in people's lives. Now, I hear you talk about churches that are outsourcing, but that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, I don't know that we want pastors doing a lot of mental health counseling. So I guess the question would be, when do you outsource and when do you not? Right, and I think that's even part of the the challenge is that we've assumed that pastors are better um, lay counselors than small group leaders or prayer team members or everyday lay leaders in churches might be. And that is not necessarily the case. You know, some people have uh, unique giftings to be able to to listen and to be extremely empathetic and sympathetic and to be good, uh, you know, sort of um, bearers of, of other people's pain. And sometimes those people are better lay leaders than everyone else. So no, outsourcing is not necessarily the wrong answer. It's not. But I think if it's the only answer, that's mm-hmm. where we run into problems. Mm-hmm. So Reboot. Um, you talked a little bit about Reboot at the top of the show, but what? how is Reboot, how does how do you guys figure into this equation and what is, re- how is, how is, how are you working through reboot to address our concerns? Yeah. I mean, there's two things rolling out in 2020 for us that have already, we've just seen incredible impact from one as as we alluded to at the very beginning of the show is a new, new program called Overcome Academy. Um, that's going to be available uh, by the end of the first quarter next year, God willing. And, and we've already uh, piloted it and filmed it and everything else. But really what it does is it shows small group leaders and prayer team leaders exactly how to respond to someone who's either in crisis or someone who has gone through some type of mental health challenge. It shows them all those answers about when do you escalate to an expert? When don't you? How do you uh, know the right things to say so that you don't say the wrong things? How do you? Um, how does discipleship fit into the equation for helping someone who has dealt with a a mental health challenge? How do you help people take radical responsibility for their issues uh, while also loving them and forbearance with them? How do you do those things? And that's really the first thing. And the follow-up to that will be we're going to take what we've launched and been so successful with with our our 12-week trauma healing course in the veteran and also in the first responder space, and we're going to write a trauma healing course for um, the rest of us, a course that uh, we're actually already writing it, but it's a course that will be available for churches to start uh, that that have, you know, so that when they come to their small group leader, they can say, hey, you know, you need to sign up for the next course coming up this fall here at XYZ Church. So there's a safe place, a place because also when you put people who have gone through a shared life experience together, healing happens. And um, a lot of times our small groups are not places where people will, will be open as they could be because yeah. they feel like maybe they're the only ones struggling. So let's talk about that for a second. Let's get practical. And I know, you, I mean, in this format, you can't get into everything and all the situations <clears throat> and, and all of that. But just on a, on a basic level, how can a group leader recognize when somebody in their group needs help? Because as a group leader, I don't have a lot of group members coming up to me and saying, man, I'm, right. I need help. So how do they recognize that? And I think it's interesting. We've, we've learned that um, the age demographic of your group is almost directly corollary to the likelihood that someone's coming up and saying they're struggling. Mm. So if you have a lot of younger people in your group, for example, it's going to be very common probably that you're thinking, actually, a lot of the boys in my group, a lot of the girls in my group are struggling with this issue. And they will outright say, I'm struggling with anxiety. I'm struggling with depression. I'm struggling with 
you know, fill in the blank. Uh, now, if they have a true diagnosed mental health issue, because usually those issues are either um, general or they are undiagnosed, they're kind of self-diagnosed. But if someone has something like bipolar disorder, something of that nature and struggles with that, you're right. A lot of times people won't say anything about that. Um, Is there a difference between men and women? Because the statistics show that right. women suffer from anxiety more than men. But I don't know that that's true. So is it is it that women are more likely to admit to it or ask for help than men are? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's for whatever reasons, and we don't have time to get into it today. It's it's more socially acceptable in that particular realm. Um, but I think also that um, uh, a lot of the culture around products that are marketed more to ladies mm-hmm. also um, tend to make it much more of a of, of a present issue. Um, you know, there's the majority of Christian music, for example, now is is focused on you're in a hard season, but you can get out of it, right? And mm. Christian music is the number one demographic is is Christian women, mm. and so I think even those types of things sometimes we've we've actually sort of created this thing where in order to need the gospel to need Jesus, we have to feel like we're struggling, and so I think that impacts uh, us as Christians. But the point is, is that yes, I, I think I know just as many men who struggle with things um, as do. Women. But also I think that um, for whatever reason, we've also bought into this idea that like we shouldn't have to deal with depression. We shouldn't have to deal with anxiety. We shouldn't have these symptoms. Mm. And um, symptoms aren't always the best judge of actual progress, right? Symptoms come and they go. Um, it's really how we respond to those symptoms. And that's where the church, that's where small group leaders, that's where they, you know, our job is never going to be to diagnose. Our job is never going to be to medicate or to to do things like that. But what we can do is help a person know, okay, this has happened to you. How can we help this be an experience that grows you, that God somehow redeems for good in in spite of the trauma you've encountered, in spite of this difficult season. And that's a uniquely Christian message. And that's where I think we as Christian lay leaders can step in and have a voice of hope and of reason in that conversation. Chris hinted at this question earlier in our time together, but it seems like this this conversation is taking up a great deal more of our time than, say, 10 years ago or 20 years oh, absolutely. ago. Is it because we're more comfortable talking about it? Is it because there's uh, there are more diagnoses um, there are conditions that are more diagnosable now, or are we seeing a time in our existence to where this is becoming uh, more of a challenge to more people? Right. I, I get asked that probably every time I go anywhere is, are we weaker than the previous generation is really the root of that question. Are we are we more fragile than previous generations? And obviously, I can't speak to that in terms of of actual, like, I, I don't know, I'm not part of a previous, I'm part of this generation, right? But I can look at the data and say, well, of course, I mean, we statistically have more diagnosed issues than anyone else, more diagnosed struggles. But uh, we also haven't seen until recently, you know, the mental health industry has expanded, it has boomed over the past 15 years, um, largely due to the growth of pharmaceutical industry, but also the growth of um, various wellness initiatives and programs and things of that nature are offered by various, uh, you know, hospitals or, or, or medical facilities. And so whether or not we're experiencing it more often or not, I think is probably somewhat irrelevant. I think larger, I think it's how we view it. Do we view this as something that we need to get rid of and move past and numb? Or do we view it as something to say, okay, we're going to experience this. Yes, we don't want to deal with these symptoms further, but also we want to say, how can I grow through these symptoms? How do I make this experience something that challenges me to be the best version of myself? And that is something that I do think previous generations, uh, they had no other choice. 
you know, there was no, there was no additional care, but you know, we deal a lot with wartime PTSD. That's not a new thing, right? It was soldier's heart, battle fatigue, chronic battle fatigue. There was a a million, a million names for it. Mm -hmm. And interesting, if you look at the roots of PTSD, it actually began, people thought it was a spiritual injury. They actually thought it was a soul woundedness. Mm -hmm. And over the past 20 years, really, faith has taken a back seat to mental health. And the word mental health, if you would ask Jesus, how's your mental health? I'm not sure he would have known what you were talking about um, because we've we've divided people up into segments where you have your physical self and your mental health self and your spiritual self. But I'm not really sure that's how any of us actually heal and process traumas and process illnesses. I think it impacts holistically kind of all of us. Mm-hmm. That's why a team, team approach is best. Well, my next question was going to be, is it helpful? Is this to contextualize and to engage this conversation and to think in these terms is helpful or not. But it sounds like just listening to how you answered that question that that it is. Um, you know, I think what I've concluded over the course of time is there's really nothing new about humanity. We still experience the same things, the same emotional reactions that we have always incurred. It's just now we've got better language, better handles. We're more knowledgeable. We have better ways of responding. So like you said, um, it's just a matter – it's just not – no longer do you have to just suffer through it or, like Chris said, pull up your bootstraps and and fo- right. and make it to tomorrow. Now we have ways of getting to tomorrow where you can actually be better and find ways to overcome these things that we're facing. Yeah, and you don't have to – you don't necessarily have to live with, with the full punch of your symptoms all the time, you know? Yeah. So as a group leader – how do I recognize when somebody needs professional help? When when it's it's over my head, I could do more harm than good. You know, with words. Uh, how do how do I know when you get to that? Well, um, over your head is a kind of interesting thought. So um, the answer is, I mean, there's there's key warning signs. If a person is isolating, if a person's overtly starting to say that they are experiencing suicidal ideations or expressing a desire to hurt themselves or others, those would be major red flags. If a person's self-harming, that would be an example. Um, if loved ones of that person who you trust come to you and say, here are behaviors that are deeply disturbing, um, if they, they stop caring for themselves physically in appearance, those would be major signs of, of some serious things you need to, to escalate. Um, you know, those are those are sort of the 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 largest red flags you might have. But but I think that escalation, the best thing to do would be to continue escorting, to continue walking on that journey. I mean, the the, the most loving thing that we can do to someone who's really in a more serious struggle is to say, you know, hey, I think we need to go see this person who's, you know, a, a medical expert. But don't think that somehow I'm passing. I'm going to continue on this journey with you. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when we escalate, that's our opportunity to step out of the equation. And that's where Christians make a huge mistake, I mm-hmm. think, um, is, is that's where we lose our ability to build long-term community and to actually learn also by observing their experience. You know, I've learned so much by walking through, for example, many of my friends have chronic illnesses. I've learned so much about faith and so much about what's it look like to, to trust God even when he doesn't heal you. Mm-hmm. By, wa- by continuing to journey with them as opposed to just passing them off to a psychological expert and saying, well, they'll, they'll help you from here. Right. You know? uh, but the greatest barrier to Christians helping people usually is a, a, a fear that someone's going to take our time. You know, it's a need to protect our, our time. And that's why groups are so important. That's I mean, right. That's, that's why Absolutely. we have small groups is we're walking life with somebody. And that's why it's important for a church to offer that 
you know, it's it's not just for mental health. It's for spiritual health, obviously. Yes. But we are there with them, walking alongside them. And there's a built-in support and care through a small group that we don't have in other parts of our life. And could I just add to that? I mean, I think that's exactly right. And that's where when we work with, with medical partners, you know, God bless all of the mental health providers out there, people like my wife and others who do therapies. And um, I think that, you know, institutions can't love people. Mm -hmm. Only people can love people. And my wife would even agree with this. I mean, she sees 50 patients, you know, 100 patients. It's very difficult for her to personally get invested. But you see everybody listening. You can you can love someone. You can walk through something with one or two people deeply. And you can you can do that. That's something that we can all do. I think that's so good. I, I see a counselor, and at, at no point did I think my counselor loves me. I mean, he likes me. I think I hope, um, but he's <laughs> he's he's there for just a, a small part of my healing. Where my group is there to walk alongside me and love me. I saw your Instagram post recently where you guys were doing, I guess it was back before Christmas, that your group got together and decorated Christmas cookies yep. together. And the picture, it wasn't, no one was facilitating. You guys were just, it looked like we're hanging out. Yeah. And we talk on the show a lot about doing life together. And the only way, the only way that we can know the things that were pointed out that's going on in a person's life is, is in those moments, is yep. being around them and paying attention. So group life it sounds like serves um, a great deal or contributes a great deal to this this context that we're talking about today. Yeah, and the church as a whole. I mean, I love Evan that you are you are prodding the church. You are you know you said at the beginning that the church has to do something because I feel like that's why the church exists, and we do. We just pass it on to somebody else that we feel like has more expertise, but we have the hope that is Jesus. And, you know, we're going to talk to Brandon Hiltabattle next week about how to kind of get deeper into into that hope. But we ultimately have the hope of Jesus, and that's what everyone needs. So to find out more, you can go to RebootRecovery.com. Evan, is there a, a blog or a Twitter that we could also pass out? Yeah, it's, it's Reboot Recovery, and they can find us on Facebook and Instagram and about another other 20 places probably, but that's that's where they can find us. And if you're a group pastor or point person, I would encourage you to do something intentional around training for your group leaders. I mean, we were able to bring Evan in um, because you're local in the area, but some type of equipping your group leaders through your training is so important around this topic. Yeah, and I would just add, we we are booking a lot of live trainings right now, so they can actually email me. I don't mind passing this out online. It's Evan, E-V-A-N, at RebootRecovery.com. And if they'd like to have somebody from our team come in and conduct one of those trainings, we'd love to do that. That's really our heartbeat right now is, is equipping people that are listening to things like this. That's great. And it'll be in the show notes as well, the uh, website and Evan's email, so you can check that out. If you enjoyed this episode of Group Answers podcast show, we would encourage you to go and subscribe to the show. And um, if you if you would be willing and so able, take those extra couple of seconds and give us a rating and leave a comment. Please do. And tell us Happy New Year. We'd love to hear from you, especially Brian. Brian needs some hope right now. <laughs> I live on those notes, those comments. I, I live for the approval of others. <laughs> <laughs> this is Evan Owens, everybody. So, Evan, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. 
So, Chris, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Group Answer Show. Thank you so much for uh, another great year and looking forward to yet another one. This is going to be fun. Why don't we do a greatest hits, uh, a great, you know, a year in review of 2019? Why don't we do that? Um, that's a good question, Brian. Maybe next time. Next time. A year from now. 2020, we'll do one. <laughs> that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thanks for being with us. 